Good evening, everybody. <clears throat> it's uh, good to be back with you uh, this evening. I decided to do this a little bit early instead of going live tonight, so I'm going to get this done, and uh, it'll probably take me a little while to get it uploaded, but uh, nevertheless, you should have it in your hands by 6.30 or 7 o'clock, but um, it's good to be um, uh, back with uh, each and every one of you that uh, takes time to listen tonight. We uh, appreciate uh, the opportunity to do this and uh, appreciate our drive-in services that we've been able uh, and privileged to have the last uh, couple of weeks and uh, continue to do so moving forward and uh, we're thankful for those times appreciate you coming out appreciate you being a part of it we're going to be in the ninth chapter of the book of romans tonight i'm going to read through and do the first 13 verses we're going to talk about some things <clears throat> and um, uh, we'll we'll probably be able to get uh, chapter 9 in two parts as well. I'm going to try and keep this as uh, as condensed, but with as much information as we possibly can. Uh, but we're thankful um, that God has afforded us the privilege and opportunity to do this. But uh, we do want to go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, and after that, uh, if you want to grab your Bibles, we'll be in Romans chapter 9, starting in verse number 1. Our Father, uh, Lord, we thank you, God, for this day. We thank you for this privilege. Uh, an opportunity to seek thy throne of grace. God, we thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord, that your word tells us, God, that we can uh, come to the throne of grace boldly to obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And certainly, we know that there are many around us, God, that are uh, suffering, and we pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that uh, thy grace, thy mercy, and thy love, God, would ever rest and be upon them. We pray, Father, uh, for our uh, dear, dear friend, uh, Mr. Larry and Miss Claudette, uh, we pray God should bless them. God keep them. I know Heavenly Father Ward that uh, he is fixing to step out of this side uh, and step into thy presence. And we pray God that you'd make his cross easy to bear. Bless the family, I pray. God, as they go through this troubling and trying time. Father, I pray that you'd bless all the members of Timber Ridge, Heavenly Father. Uh, if they be well, if they're sick, God, you know their hearts, their minds, you know where they stand and what they stand in need of. And we pray, God, you'd satisfy it, God, according to thy earnest riches and glory, which are uh, bountiful, endless, and glorious. Father, thank you, Lord, for thy precious word. Bless tonight, God, what I pray is we open thy word. Let us do uh, and treat thy word carefully. Uh, and let us uh, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that we might be uh, taught and learned of him tonight watch over us keep us care for us we'll thank you we'll praise you god for what you do if we ask it in jesus name amen romans chapter number nine verse number one we're going to read through verse number 13 we're going to come back and cover this and uh you pray uh and uh let's just ask god uh, or invite the lord uh, to be a part of this tonight and i hope that you would open uh, the word of god and study it as the lord uh, wants us to chapter 9 verse number 1 it says I say the truth in Christ I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart for I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren my kinsmen according to the flesh who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises Whose are the fathers, and, who, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not of all Israel, which are of Israel. 
neither uh, because they are the seed of Abraham are they th are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, uh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are accounted for the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah uh, also hath conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children be not yet born, neither, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. And <clears throat> as we get into this tonight, we get into a lot of contention uh, through this scripture. There's a lot of different people have a lot of different opinions based on this. We're going to try and address uh, some of those tonight. Now, uh, and I, I'm going to, this may not be information that you want to know. Uh, I'm not sure, but... Uh, we have a lot of different uh, divisions and, and, and doctrines and, and uh, we could say denominations, but this is really just a doctrinal issue. But we get to this right here and we hear what's commonly referred to as the doctrines of grace. Uh, the uh, most prominent two that we have are Arminianism and Calvinism. Uh, and we discuss these and a lot of them take their root uh, primarily from the ninth chapter of the book of Romans. We go through the acrostic that's often affixed and affiliated with Calvinism. It's TULIP. Uh, the T is for total depravity. The U is for unconditional election. The L is for limited atonement. Uh, I is for irresistible grace. And P is for perseverance of the saints. And a lot of people, uh, they, they try and narrow these things down. They say, well, I affirm one, two, three, four points, or some are, are considered full five-point uh, TULIP. Uh, Calvinist, but uh, listen, I want to say this in the outstart. I don't affirm any of them, uh, just for the simple fact, and, and that may say counter, that may sound counterintuitive. You may say, "Well, uh, uh, Pastor, they sound right," and uh, and I would say this: the reason I, I that I don't affirm any of them is because they uh, come with presuppositions. They come to the table uh, with a different dictionary than I have in my mind. Uh, and how they define terms is not how I define terms. And so I, I just want to break that chain. Uh, listen, I, I don't, I, I don't adhere or affirm any of them. Total depravity, uh, will they roll into the total depravity? Inherited guilt. You've heard me talk about, we, we talked about this in the fourth and fifth chapter of the book of Romans as we studied through it. Uh, listen, I don't affirm inherited guilt. I believe that we, uh, that we are inheritors of sin. And because we are inheritors of sin, uh, we are born with a being and inclination towards sin. There's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10, I believe that. Uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 3.23, I believe that. Uh, friends, listen, but I do not believe that I myself am responsible that I am not guilty for what Adam did. The Bible tells us in Ezekiel in the 18th chapter, uh, it tells us that the father is not responsible for the son of the sin, nor is the son uh, responsible for the sin of the father. Uh, so we have a, a disconnect right there. So they come to the table and they say, well, uh, it teaches total depravity. Uh, listen, I believe that we are totally depraved. But I do not uh, deprave, but I do not believe that we are totally enabled. I believe that we have the ability through the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God speaks through the preaching of the Word of God, I believe that we, uh, as free volitional creatures, I believe that we have the ability to respond 
respond in faith. Uh, listen, just as Peter did, we preached about this, just as Peter did when he was sinking in the sea, he, he looked unto the Savior. He said, Lord, save me. Uh, friends, listen, his faith was not meritorious. Believing in Jesus was not meritorious. he done these things because he knew that his only way of escape, just as I was the day that I got convicted and the day that I, I repented and believed upon him, I didn't do anything personally. he done everything for me. he done everything through me. he done it for his salvation, that he might impute righteousness and, and, justify, and declare me righteous and, and justified. he done those things. But friends, listen, I, I would never go as far, and I don't believe it is ever affirmed in the Scripture, in the Word of God, where we are guilty of Adam's sin. Now listen, then we get into this, this unconditional election, this notion of, of unconditional election, that before the foundation of the world ever was, that God arbitrarily picked uh, people. And a lot of this is taken from the 13th verse right here, and we'll talk about this in detail in just a few minutes. In the 13th verse, it says, As it is written, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. If you read the preceding verse, um, or in verse number 11, the Bible says, uh, For the children having not yet been born, neither have done anything good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand out of works, but of him that called them. So they, from here they derive an unconditional election that arbitrarily God selected, pre-selected because of his forward nation. He, 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 he went down and identified people that would be saved and the, the reprobate, those that he would pass over, those that would be, uh, listen, born into this world with no possible way, hope, or future of being saved. What a wicked, dangerous doctrine that is. But if we understand this, friend, listen, that's where we get to, uh, and, and I'm trying to give a consensus overview of this right here. Uh, but if we get to unconditional election, it teaches us that uh, it, it's a violation uh, of the alls that we have in the, in the Word of God. For God so loved the world. Uh, listen, uh, the Bible tells us uh, the Lord is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. The Bible tells us again in John 3, 17, He said, I came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. Friends, listen, that was His purpose, that was His intention, uh, and that was what He came for. That's what he came to do. He wants to see every single man, woman, boy, and girl. He wants to see them saved by uh, the power of God. Through the witness of the Holy Spirit, he wants to see them repent, believe, confess the Lord Jesus. As the Bible tells us, we'll read over in the 10th chapter. He said, for he that believeth in the heart and confesseth with the mouth. Uh, listen, he said, he shall be saved. Amen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the promise of the word of God. Then we get to the next step, which is limited atonement. Limited atonement uh, presses me into a corner. Uh, listen, what it does is it's called particular redemption or isolated. Uh, listen, and, and what that does is isolate down the cross of Calvary. And they say that the cross of Calvary, that Christ only died uh, for those in which are unconditionally elected. Uh, so friends, listen, it refines and it distills down Calvary. Uh, listen, and it takes away from the power uh, uh, of the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ didn't just die. He, amen. Listen, Christ didn't just die for the elect. He died for 
all. And because, listen, when people blatantly reject the Word of God, when they reject conviction as it finds them through the preaching of the Word of God and they walk away and they reject these things, friends, listen, the reason that their eternal fate will be sealed, sealed, separated from God is because they've rejected the cross of Calvary. They've rejected atonement that has been offered in their stead on their behalf, not just as a representative, but as a substitute. Christ was a substitute on Calvary for every single person. Listen, man, woman, boy, and girl, Christ and Calvary was a substitutionary sacrifice for you. Don't let anybody ever tell you anything different. Friends, listen, there is a way, there is a promise, there is a hope, there is perfect peace and liberty. There is freedom in the Spirit of God that was delivered to us through the cross of Calvary. You can be saved. Amen. So, friends, listen, that's the L, the T-U-L. Eyes, irresistible grace. They teach us now that, uh, and this is this is what they call the golden chain. They have to be taken one in another. And I, I'll recap that in just a minute, and then I'll get into this. Uh, listen, the, uh, the recap uh, or, or the eye that we have there in uh, uh, in the tulip acrostic is irresistible grace. So they believe that once a person, because he's elected, when the Spirit of God falls upon him, that it's impossible. But that's not what Jesus said. For it, it, they, they believe that it's impossible to reject the Spirit of God, that there is no other possibility than for you to be saved. But the Bible tells us, uh, listen, that we can blaspheme. What is blasphemy, preacher? Blasphemy is rejection of the Spirit of God. So that tells me, uh, friends, listen, that Christ was cognizant. It's biblically and textually accurate uh, for us to interpret the Word of God as it says to us, friends, listen, he said, be careful to grieve not the Spirit of God. Uh, friends, listen, I reached a point in place and time, and you think about this in your own personal life, uh, when the Spirit of God came to you, there reached a place and point in time in my life when I reached an impasse and I reached a crossroads because the gospel had came. I knew that I was guilty, not of Adam's sin, but of my sin because I realized my sinful condition, because I realized my sinful state. I had to make a choice. I had to make a decision. Will I go and will I believe and exercise my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through the preaching of the word of God that I've heard all these years through the instruction of the Word of God, through the reading of the Word of God, Bible schools and Sunday schools and home lessons and prayers and all these things. Was I going to go and exercise those things and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and let him save me? Or did I did I have to go? No, I didn't have to go. You don't have to go. God will never coerce nor force his love upon anyone. The judicial system has, uh, listen, they have a law. 
against people who force themselves upon others, and it's called rape. Friends, listen, when a man overpowers a woman, whether it is through uh, medical or physical or mental, when those three things are exerted uh, and one party shows force over another, uh, listen, that is a resistance to the will, and that is a violation of freedom. Friends, listen, I'm going to tell you something. God never imposes himself on top. He never violates man's freedom. Rather yet, what he does is he approaches us, he seeks us, and they say, well, that makes God out to be somebody who can't even save those in which he died for. Friends, listen to me. That is so far removed from the truth, friends. Listen, it's not that God cannot command and order all things to come to pass. That's not, listen, I believe in God's omnipotence. I believe and I affirm Matthew 28, 18, where the Bible says, Behold, I have all power in heaven and in earth. I believe that. There is nothing that can be done that he cannot do. Friends, listen, I believe that he can overpower me. I believe believe that he can make me, but I believe he desires a true love relationship. And because Christ desires a true love relationship, which I believe is biblically and textually defined and through the entirety of the word of God, he desires true love. Friends, listen, and the only way that he can, uh, listen, that he can receive and gain true love is if we would willfully submit ourselves unto him. Amen. Uh, friends, listen, and I'm glad, friends, that he gave me space, hour, and opportunity where I could freely receive, freely believe uh, the gospel of my salvation. Uh, listen, he said, where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. I'm free. Amen. I have been made free through the blood of my Savior, Jesus Christ. You can be made free if you'll, if you'll just surrender yourself to the Spirit and the power of God. He can set you free. Thank God. Uh, friends, listen. Now, I'm not going to spend another 20 minutes really defending the Armenian position. As you can imagine, the Armenian position is pretty much just a basic rebuttal to these points that I have discussed. And listen, the last one that we have here is perseverance of the saints. They say, preacher, you don't believe in perseverance of the saints? I don't believe it the way that the Calvinistic acrostic defines it. I, I, listen, their foundation is taken from an entirely different place. This is how they get to it. They believe that because man is guilty, that God has to elect unconditionally each person that should be saved. And because they're unconditionally elected, their atom the, the atonement at Calvary was only for the elect. You see how those you see how the, all these things work together, uh, and because Calvary was limited, and because they are elect, therefore grace is irresistible, and because grace is irresistible, they are perse they persevere in faith, and they uh, shall not finally fall away. What does that mean? That listen. In other words, that means that they're once saved, always saved. But you see where where that breaks down. They're saved because they couldn't resist because 
because the atonement was for them because they are elected because they are guilty. Friends, listen, I, I don't believe those things. I'm, I believe that I, I have inherited sin. I believe that because I have inherited sin, I have libertarian free will. Therefore, because God has not, uh, listen, he has not chosen unconditionally. He has chosen conditionally. What does that mean, preacher? If you believe that, I may not even get to this tonight. Uh, listen, this may be a, a, a preface uh, to Romans chapter 9. Listen, as we get into this right here, we reach this point, listen, where I believe that libertarian exists. Libertarian freedom exists. And because it exists, God does not have to unconditionally elect. God conditionally elects. What does that mean, preacher? Listen, what is what are the conditions whereby the elect are received and made manifest into the spirit, into the household of faith, uh, by the spirit of God into the church? How is that possible, preacher? Through the gospel. Amen. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verse number 16. For the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So friends, listen. What are the conditions of election? You've got to believe the gospel. Amen. What is the gospel? Acts 4 and 12. The Bible said there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Uh, friends, listen to me. That is non-negotiable. That's not a good thing to do. That's not something that you're recommended to do. It is an absolute, uh, listen, nail in the coffin fact. You must believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ to accept the, the terms of the gospel. When you accept the terms of the gospel, friends, listen, uh, when, you ex and when you meet Jesus on the terms of the gospel, Hey, you can be saved. And listen, because it is uh, because election is conditional based on whether or not we exercise faith in our doctrine in the word of God. Listen, Calvary is unlimited. Calvary, my friends today, listen, I'm glad that the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary, that it is unsparing, and that it goes, that it has no end. Friends, listen, that it persists, that it drives. Listen, and it seeks to save. Oh, thank God, friends, listen, that he has sought us. Amen. In 1 John chapter 4, the Bible tells us not that we love God, but that he first loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Not for our, listen, in 1 John 2 and, uh, 2 and 2, I guess it would be. He said not for our sin only, but for the sin of the whole world. Amen. Uh, listen. As we examine that word world, you've heard me talk about in the Greek is the word cosmos, which is the first, the second, and the third heaven. Friends, listen, his atonement is unlimited. It is for every single man, woman, boy, and girl. I'm glad that it was demonstrated. I'm glad that it was manifest. I'm glad that the two thieves on the cross, oh, listen, one, he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. One, listen, he made mockery of him and he lift his eyes in hell as he died but that man listen because the cross of Calvary was not limited it was unlimited it was for him as well as the other man friends all he had to do was believe but he rejected 
Thank God, friends, listen, that the cross of Calvary is, uh, listen, that it's unlimited in its potential. It is unlimited in its power. It is unlimited in its expectation. It is unlimited in all things that it can accomplish. Amen. Boy, isn't that a wonderful thought? Thank God, friends, listen to me. The cross of Calvary, and you've heard me say this before, the cross of Calvary, it didn't save anybody, but it made all men savable. It put us into a state, into a place. Uh, listen, through the extension of the cross of Calvary. Who was the extension? Who was the, what was the extension of Calvary? The, the, the extension of Calvary was for every single man, woman, boy, and girl. What was the intention of Calvary? The intention of Calvary was to save every man, woman, boy, and girl. Friends, listen, and it put us in the right state and standing when Christ died and he, said, he declared, he said, it is finished on the cross of Calvary. Friends, listen, hey, I'm not telling you, hey, people need to understand today, listen, there's nothing else that needs to be done. There's, we beg and we ask God for so many things. Friend, listen, we say, God, would you do this to save them? Hey, hey, when he done it on Calvary, he finished it, it's complete, it's done, it's over. There's nothing left for him to do, it's over. Amen. Friends, listen, and because the cross of Calvary is sustainable and because it's made all men savable, we have to apply. So listen, as we ratify the work of Adam in our lives, what does that mean, preacher? When we sin, when we ratify Adam's work, that means that we ourselves personally willfully commit a sin and we realize the difference between right and wrong. We realize that we are in desperate, desperate need of a savior. We find ourselves at a place and point in time where thankfully the gospel has came. Thankfully, the wooings and the drawings of the Holy Spirit is persistent. Amen. You've heard me talk about he pursues, he pursues all. Amen. Hey, the Bible tells us in uh, John chapter number 16, he said, for, uh, listen, when the spirit, when the spirit or the comforter is come, he will reprove the world of sin. What does the word reprove mean? The word reprove means to convict. Amen. So listen, he died for all. He has sought all. And friends, those that believe, he will save. Amen. Uh, friends, listen, now this is where we get into the contention of irresistible grace. Listen, because I believe that the cross of Calvary is unlimited, I believe also that, listen, as I earlier established, a free love relationship is what God is seeking. Because God is seeking a free love relationship, he does not want nothing coerced. He wants us to love him freely, willfully. He wants us to love him and embrace him just as we love our husbands and our wives. Listen, we fell in love with each other. We should fall in love with Jesus. But also in terms of that, friends, listen, people have the opportunity to walk away. They can reject the Savior. But oh, what a sad, sad reality it is that people would walk away from our Savior, would walk away from Jesus. What a sad state of affairs it is. And listen, the Bible tells us this, we'll say this and we'll end in this. I believe, and you've heard me preach this message about a new creature about all things being made new. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he said, Therefore, uh, listen, old things pass away, and behold, all things have become 
new. Amen. There is newness in God's salvation. Listen, we are born into the Spirit of God. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1 and 13, in whom after you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of your inheritance until the purchase of the prized possession. Friends, listen, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that faith is not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Friends, listen to me. Titus 3 and 5, not by our works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing, renewing, and regenerating of the Holy Ghost. He keeps us. He sustains us us. He makes all things new. Uh, listen, and I don't, time won't even suffice. You've heard me uh, teach uh, about wheel setting moments. Uh, and, and it's in this Roman series. And if you hadn't heard me, just go back through and listen to them. I have no idea which one it's in, probably in half of them, because I repeat myself a lot. But uh, listen, as we get into these things and we begin to understand these things, I'm glad that he keeps us. I'm glad that it's a true love relationship. I'm glad that he has made things conditional on the terms of the gospel. Amen. And he's given us every provision. He's provided every possible thing that he could to make all things work together, as we talked about last week in Romans chapter 8, that all things would work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Now listen. I discussed all that because that plays directly into where we're going. And I'm going to take probably about 10 more minutes. I'm just going to go through this because uh, what I said was a lion's share of what we're going through. But he said, uh, now Paul picks up again. He said, I say the truth in Christ. I lay not. I lie not. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost. Thank God that he's writing in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Then I have great heaviness and continual soul in my heart, for I would wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about the Jews. Now, listen, the reason he says this is because he wants to, he wants to bring front and center the kinship that he's showing with his brothers, the Jews, because he's dealing with the Israelites and the Jews a lot in the, in the book of Romans. Now listen, he says in verse number four, and, and we've talked about this in Romans chapter number two as well. This is not the first time he's addressed this. He said, for I, uh, oh, listen, he said, who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Uh, whose are the fathers and, and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. I'm gonna read some more verses six and seven. Uh, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now listen to this. I want you to go back with me. In Romans chapter number two, the last two verses. 28, 29. He said, for, though, uh, for he is not a Jew, which is one outward, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and that circumcision is the heart, in the spirit, not of the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Now listen, we're talking about two classifications of Israelites right here. And listen, it, it burdens and it, it, it very, 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 very much troubles my heart uh, when people say, uh, well, preacher, you just believe in replacement theology. Let me, let me talk about something, friends. Listen, I, I don't believe in uh, anything related uh, to replacement theology. I believe in expansion theology. 
we have an elect lady which God called. Amen. And he called that elect lady when he called Abraham out of Ur of Chaldees and established him as the father of the institute of faith. Listen, the Bible tells us that Abraham was justified by faith. And therefore, it was imputed into him for righteousness. Now, listen, I'm not going to get off on that tangent, but I do want you to hear this point. Now, listen, that elect lady was the bride by which the Savior would come. God did not uh, elect a lady and throw the other nations away. God elected a lady to redeem all the other nations. But he had to get... That lady, that listen, and that lady is who I'm calling Israel. He had to get Israel uh, to marry, and listen, Mary had to be conceived of the Holy Spirit and bring forth a son, and his name was Jesus, the Emmanuel. He had to live 33 and a half years, had to go to the cross of Calvary, satisfy the debt, and pay the ransom, for all of fallen humanity and the world system as we know it had to be bought back. Amen. Listen, and he is the undisputed king that retains the keys of death, hell, and the grave. That is my savior. He is my brother. He is my elder brother, the second person of the Trinity. And I'm, listen, I'm kept, listen, by the imputed right Righteousness of the Father, which has been delivered to me through his Son, sealed with the Spirit of God. Amen. But this lady, friends, when she got to Calvary, this is where the new covenant. This is this is not my this is not what I think. This is what the Bible says. Amen. Now listen, he said, listen, he said, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And when he fulfilled the law, he thereby established a new covenant. I am not in no sense nor stretch of the imagination replacing the lady Israel. But I am expanding the lady Israel. Amen. The lady Israel, listen, he, the Bible tells us over here. In the second chapter of the book of Romans, he said, he's not a Jew, which is one outwardly in the flesh, because that is old covenantal language. We live in the new covenant. Amen. Listen, the old covenantal language was satisfied, fulfilled. God gave them their land. And therefore, listen, when God, when they received their promises, God used that lady to redeem all the others through the cross of Calvary. And when he fulfilled the old language, the old law, and the old commands, he thereby instituted the new covenant. Friends, listen, and we, the church today, the spiritual Israel, we don't replace, we do not replace the elect lady Israel, we expand. This is the growing of God's church. Amen. This is one body, one blood, one nation, and we are expanding into his beautiful bride. And that's what Paul is driving. This is the language that he's using. This is what he's driving to. He's not trying. <clears throat> Listen. Listen. Uh, 
And they, they take swift and strict offense to this. Friends, listen, he's talking about them. Friends, listen, and it carries a lot more weight with them probably than it does with us. But I'm telling you, we live in a new covenant. What are the parameters of the new covenant? You tell me. You must believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the parameters of the new covenant. It is not based on nationality. It is not based on, listen, the elect lady has fulfilled her purpose. She is beautiful. She is wonderful. Thank God she bore our Redeemer and brought the things that we have. And I praise God for her. Amen. And listen, I thank God for it. Friends, listen, but God has instituted the new covenant. And in the new covenant, you must believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, period. It does not matter nationality, affiliation. does not matter where you come, where you're going, where you're headed. What matters is do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because this is the line in the sand. Nationality is not going to get you into heaven. Color, race, creed, none of those things. Friends, listen to me. Doesn't matter if you're a preacher. Doesn't matter if you're drunk. The only thing that matters, do you believe? Have you believed, surrendered all things unto the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe in him to be your savior? Friends, that's what matters. Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the givings of the law and the service of God and the promises? Whose are the fathers of uh, and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came? Who is over all? God bless forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac thy seed shall be called. Now, I hope that you're beginning to understand where we're coming from. Listen, now we see the same language. Listen, Galatians was written before the book of Romans. When we go uh, to the fourth chapter of the book of Galatians, we, we, you remember this allegory that's recorded. It says, My little children of whom I travail in birth until, again until Christ be formed in you, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondmaid, the other by the free woman. But he uh, who was of the bondwoman was born out to the flesh, and he who was the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth the bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, is the mother of us all. Of us all. Amen. Is the mother of us all. Amen. That's why I tell you, friends, listen, don't, don't listen. To I believe that I've been ran into so many corners and isolated because people, uh, listen, number one, people won't call you and ask you what you think about something. They won't call you and ask you what you believe. They just like to make up what they think you believe and then tell everybody else around them what they think you believe instead of just asking you about it. Amen. So, friends, listen, what I want to tell you, friends, today, uh, listen, Jerusalem, amen, uh, the elect lady, Isaac, which is descendant roots of Jacob, which came from Jesus, the new covenant, is the mother of us all, amen. We have not replaced, we are expanding, thank God, we are growing. 
But Jerusalem, which above, is free, which is mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry that thou travailest not. For the desolate hath, uh, for the desolate, uh, hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Amen. Now we, amen. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not all children of the bondwoman, but of the free. See, this is the allegorical situation that, that Paul was contending with. And this is Jewish language and a heritage, a heritage that they thoroughly and deeply understand. So the Bible is telling us here that there is a contrast. These are, these are allegories that God is not talking about specific people. He is talking about nations. He is talking about the nations of the flesh. He's talking about, talking about nations of the spirit. He, uh, listen, friends, he's talking about those that would live after the flesh and those that would live after the spirit. You remember what we read in Romans chapter number 8. Verses number one and two it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which were in Christ Jesus, born not of the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Right? So the new covenant, the new covenant has made me free from that law of sin and death. Friends, listen, I'm set free in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Bible tells us this, and we'll move on with this. It says that is uh, in verse number nine or verse or verse number eight. Excuse me, and it will be done. I know I've been done go longer than I really anticipated. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. So, friends, listen to me. We get into this. Uh, when we talk about this flesh and spiritual uh, contrast and allegorical language that we have used in the text here, uh, we, we, we understand that's what, what God was talking about and what Paul was writing about in, in Galatians 4 and what he's writing about here in Romans 9. He was talking about nations. He was not talking about specific individual people. So many people, that's where they misunderstand and and through the misunderstanding, they have the a misguided application of what this is talking about. This is not talking about individuals. This is talking about nations. This is talking about Israel and Edom when he's talking about Jacob and Esau. Amen. When the Bible is talking about <coughs> uh, Hagar and Sarah, and over here in the fourth chapter of the book of Galatians, when we talk about <coughs> Hagar and Sarah, we uh, we get into the Excuse me, my voice is going on. We get into Isaac and Ishmael. And then we go down another generation, and therefore we have, uh, now we have the same thing come about. We have uh, Esau and Jacob. And this is the point that he's, that he's talking about. He said, that is the children of the flesh. These are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed, the children of promise. For this is the word of promise at this time. Will I come and Sarah shall have a son. You now remember Sarah's womb was barren. Moses was 90 or 100 years old. Uh, we get to, or uh, I said Moses, I meant Abraham. Uh, was 100 years old. 
We get to this point over here where uh, it's an impossibility, a fleshly, physical impossibility. Uh, and that's why uh, Abraham took so many things and liberties upon himself. Uh, but excuse me, this was uh, dealing with Rebecca. I apologize. But we, we're talking about Sarah uh, in Galatians 4. Now in verse 10, the Bible says, And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by her father Isaac, uh, for the children being not yet born, neither having done anything good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works, but of him that calleth. Now a lot of people say, well, see, see, preacher, the Bible tells us right here that God unconditionally selected individuals but before they had done anything good or bad, arbitrarily, he selected them before the foundation of the world. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about two nations, right? And he said, uh, listen, he's saying that he's not saying, and the, and the terminology hate, if we look at the Hebrew implications of the terminology hate is he rejected, he rejected Esau and he loved or he received Jacob. And listen, that's what I said. He was calling a nation. This is the calling of the elect lady that should bring us to Calvary. But he had to pick somebody. He had to pick a nation somewhere to get us to Calvary. And this is what we're talking about. This is what we're studying about. Listen, and I'll finish reading this and then I'm going to close it. I'll be done. For the children be not yet born, neither having done anything good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. I want to reiterate just one more time. We'll take two more minutes. I want to reiterate. This is not dealing with individuals. It is dealing with nations. He had to deal with nations to get us to Calvary. To get it, And listen, once he gets to Calvary, then he can deal with individuals. But friends, listen to me. We have to get to a point. We have to thank God for the precious, precious Israel that brought us our Savior Jesus. Amen. But listen, that's what the Bible is talking about. He's not talking about, he's not dealing with in today's time, dealing with individuals and the people of this day and time understood this to be corporate thinking. It was the house of Abraham. When you think about the Gilbert house, I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about my family, my extended family. Uh, friends, listen, when you talk about, when you relate things to your house, uh, friends, listen, that, 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 that was the corporate communal language that was to be interpreted, and that's how they received this in, this, in their day and time. That's how we need to understand it today as well. He said, it was not unto her the elder shall serve. It was said unto her the elder shall serve the younger. It's written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And I believe that that's a good place for us to end tonight. Uh, and, and I know this. Listen, it's corporate thinking. He's talking about nations. He's not talking about individuals. I want you to think about that. Pray over that. You study this out. Uh, and, and you see what the Word of God says. Not what somebody else says. Not even what I say. What does the Word of God say about it? We love you. God bless you tonight. Uh, we'll see you Sunday, good Lord willing.